Philippians chapter 1. Last week, we spoke about what we as a church would focus on for 2022. We spoke about expecting great things from God. And um, we believe that as a church, as we do, that our faith will have to be stretched even further if we're going to believe God for greater things. We spoke about going deep with God. And that's when our belief is tested. Um, And when we need to go deep and dig deep, it is so much easier when we've gone deep with God. We, uh, we, we draw water from that well that we so desperately need. And then um, thirdly, we said that as a church this year, we want to make sure that, remain, that we remain faithful to our mission. And that's when our priorities will be exposed or tested. Um, what really is important to us? And I know for us as a church, our mission is incredibly important. And, and we celebrated the fact that I just saw last year how people prioritized our mission, which is actually the mission that God gave us, the, the very thing that Jesus himself was so passionate about, namely, was to show them the Father. And our mission is to show people Jesus through the gospel. And we're passionate about that as a church. For years we talked about it, and last year I actually saw it become a part of people's everyday life, wherever they lived, whatever they did, wherever they worked. And um, so we spoke about that last week. And so for the next months, you know, I want to use the book of Philippians to speak into these three areas um, in different ways. Uh, And when you read the book of Philippians, you'll find out that it speaks about going deep with God. It speaks about remaining faithful to the mission that God gives us and you. And to a lesser degree, but yet you'll find it in the book of uh, Philippians, It also speaks about expecting great things from God. So we're just going to randomly go through the book of Philippians over the next while and read through it. I would encourage you um, during the week just to start reading through the book of Philippians and to start studying it by yourself. And let's just see how God speaks to us through the Bible and through the book of Philippians over the next month. Or so. And so I would like to invite you, please, particularly at home, make sure that you have your Bibles ready. And um, here I would like you just to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, which I'm sure you're already at that passage. I have it on my iPad, but also I still love just to open these pages. And for some reason, I feel more secure when I have this with me. Um, And I love it, I love it, I love the feel of it. I know where to find things in the Bible. And um, so I wanna encourage you just to turn with me to that wonderful passage. Let's read from verse one and we're gonna read verses one to 10. 
incredible word of God. His faithful truth to us. His word that is without error and that is applicable, relevant, and good news to all of our lives. This is what the scripture says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, the two levels of leadership within the church. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So right there you could see Paul speaks about his mission, being faithful in your partnership in the gospel from the first day on and now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ, Jesus. That is going deep with God. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ. The word affection is with the feelings of Christ. Um, Paul naturally wasn't emotional when you read his life story, but we see here that God has given him feelings. And he says, you know, I want to love you with feelings, not just with word, but with feelings. He says, um, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And you see in that last section, how deep we actually can go with Christ. Let me read it again. Then this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best, <laughs> not good, but what is best. And may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And it's interesting, when you look at the book of Philippians, you will know that Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. 
and uh, we see that he wrote this letter from prison or under house arrest um, to the congregation of Christians within that great city of Philippi. And um, the Philippian believers were the first European church. Isn't that cool? You know, our hearts are for Europe. It's for Switzerland, but it's for Europe. You know, Europe's our neighbors. You know, and so we see here that Philippians was the first European church being situated um, in the northeastern corner of Greece. We had dinner with a Greek family last night, and if you know anything about the Greeks, you know, they understand what it means to love with affection. And so we loved each other with affection last night by eating lots of food, and that was cool, and really great Greek food. The church at Philippi was an extraordinary mixture of different nationalities. And when you read the history of how the church at Philippi started, it started alongside of a river with a group of wonderful women and Paul preached the gospel to them. They opened up their hearts and something exploded within their hearts. A church was formed and so um, Paul speaks about three prominent members within the first church. He speaks about a wealthy Asian businesswoman, a slave girl who was clairvoyant, obviously demon-possessed, and a Roman non-commissioned officer. When you put those three together, you would say, well, how can they have fellowship together? Only God could do such a thing. God wanted variety, but he also wanted unity within his church. And so we see that he brought all of these nationalities together, people from different walks of life, and through the wonderful message of the gospel, he wove them together in unity, where he poured out his blessing upon this church, and this church allowed the gospel to spread throughout Europe, but this church was also responsible at different times for the welfare of Paul, financially and also affectionately. That means that they just went and they really loved him in the good, but also the difficult times within his life. So this is actually a wonderful church, and, and I believe that we could learn a lot about really expecting great things from God because this church kind of like opened the door for the gospel just to spread into Europe. And certainly as a church, uh, we, uh, this really pulsates, doesn't it, within our hearts for the gospel to go within this multi-ethnic church that we have here. I think the last time we counted, there were between 35 and 37 different nationalities that worship together here. And only God can do that. And only God could allow us to flow together in unity as we had the privilege of doing over this last year and love each other through differences, through extremes of opinions, and yet it is the wonderful grace of God 
like we saw last week, uh, in the form of him pouring out his Holy Spirit upon our lives, where we became more filled with him than we became filled with our own personal opinions. If you hold too strongly to your personal opinions, just go before Jesus and say, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And when he fills you with your Holy Spirit, your opinions become less important than your love for other people. And Paul speaks very clearly within the first 10 verses about that thing happening, loving others deeply from the heart. And so as I was looking at this book, and, and, and traditionally, um, so many people, and even myself, said that, uh, that the theme of Philippians, and the key word is joy. Well, in my opinion now, years later, I don't think the message of Philippians is really all about joy. It is a sub-message, absolutely. It is a support theme, and you can't miss it. But that's not the kernel of the message. As I was studying and as I was reading, and it was just a revelation that came to me a few days ago, and I've been looking at this book now for the last three weeks and just studying through it and looking at it and just hearing what God wanted to say to us in it. You know, and, and, and I came to the conclusion that the theme of the book of Philippians is this. And you find this verse in Philippians chapter one, verses nine to 11. And this is what Philippians verses one, uh, chapter one, verses nine and 11 says. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth and insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And here is the theme of this book, to the glory and praise of God. For me, that is the theme of the book of Philippians, living our lives to the glory and the praise of God. And it was something that, you know, I was, I actually, I just got into the shower and all of this was mulling over me and as I was in the shower, this phrase just jumped into my heart. To the glory and the praise of God. And I said, yes, Lord, that is actually the theme of this book. This should be the theme of us as a Christian church. Everything we do and everything that we become, it is to the glory and the praise of God. You may say, Peter, I don't fully understand it. Let me share this illustration with you. It was said of two famous preachers in London that when you heard one, you went away saying, what a great preacher he is. And when you heard another, you went away saying, what a great saviour he is. That is what it's all about. That you and I may be to the praise and the glory of his name. I would want and I desire for us as a church and for our lives that when people meet us, that they would say, what a great saviour Jesus is. 
Is there anyone who would agree with me on that one? With those two guys that we played with, I was so irritated by them yesterday. As I, threw, you know, I stood there and as I was going up to serve and I went up and the one guy shouted something. You know, and he was just a little bit irri- irritated with us. And, and with Emmy, this kind of thing grew and grew and this irritation. And you know what? When we met each other afterwards, they were in the cafeteria. You know, and, and, and I said to the group of guys who was there, I said, I actually, before they left the court, I wanted to go up with them and just say, sorry, you know, no one told us that you guys were playing a match. Then we would have been maybe a little bit quieter. You've tried. Because for me, I want to live every aspect of my life to the praise and the glory of his name. My opinion, my frustration isn't that important, is it? Of course not. But I want them ultimately to know this wonderful Jesus that we serve. I want to live my life in that way. And that is where I believe as a church we need to focus on going deeper with God. Your um, employers, the people that you work for and the people that work for you, at the end of the day, they need to be able to say, wow, when I looked at your life, what a wonderful God you must have when they look at our lives. For me, that is the focal point of what we do. And as this guy and I were talking and his mate was sitting, he was a little bit more quieter because he was the quiet one. The other one was more um, outspoken like I am. And him and I, we just had a great, great conversation. And I could leave here there with peace within my heart that, that we kind of made up <laughs> in a very strange way. And... Um, And I believe that that is to the praise and the glory of his name. And and that's what we see within the book of Philippians. You know, as a matter of fact, um, when you read the book of Peter, and 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7 says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, listen to this, may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. Oh, I love that. We see that Paul really believed in living his life to the glory and honor and praise of Jesus Christ. And then he says again in Ephesians chapter 1, Verses 11 and 12, he says, In him we were all chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. My friends, that 
should be our focus as a church, but also our focus as individual followers of Jesus. I believe that people through us living like that and having that as our focus and as our goal, because surely we're not all there yet. Maybe some of you are, but some of us are not. But that is our focus. And as we live our lives to the glory and the praise of Jesus, I believe that people will be drawn unto Jesus through our lives. And you see, when we start to live our lives in this way, as we pray for people, as we talk to people, and even after we have had disagreements with people and we make up, you know, we would be able to love one another with the heart of Jesus. You know, one of the questions that I've started asking myself, particularly over the last few weeks, is when I'm with people and when I'm praying for people, when I'm counseling people, when I'm interacting with people, when I leave there, I ask myself the question, was I able to minister to that person with the heart of Jesus? (laughs) Did the heart of Jesus come through? And, you know, it's an amazing thing that, that as I'm praying for people and, and as I'm talking to people, every now and then when I leave, I could say, but actually, it was the heart of Jesus that came through and not the heart of Piet. Although the heart of Piet may not be bad, but remember, we want to discern not what is just good, but what is better, much better, to give people the heart of Jesus. And, 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 and that's where we want to get to as a church. That's our goal. And for this year, as we expect great things from God, it means that we expect a little bit more from ourselves so that we can get to that point as God fills us with his Holy Spirit. Remember, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he fills us repeatedly with his wonderful spirit, and it is a grace gift from him. It is not something that we earn, it's something that he gives to us. And as he fills us with that grace gift, my friends, we certainly will start to love people with the heart of Jesus, and eventually, every now and then, people would see Say, but what a great God this person is serving. What a great Savior Jesus is. What I love about our church is when people come in here and they don't know Jesus, invariably, the majority of them return back. Why? Because I believe that there is um, a spirit of Jesus here. And I believe that people bump into Jesus. And I believe his personality is so contagious that he draws them. And he journeys with them. And it may take months, maybe six months, nine months, but eventually... uh, Jesus and this person or these people are on a collision course and eventually they experience 
the incredible heart of Jesus for them. It may be through you and me, but they experience it. And when they experience the heart of Jesus, they open up their lives to him and he steps in and he miraculously changes their lives. We call that they are born again. We call that they are saved. We call that they become followers of Jesus. And my friends, yet as a church, I believe it is not through our self-effort which amounts to very little, but it's actually through the very grace of God that enters our lives. Great picture of this is when you look at the testimony of Peter. Before God filled him with his incredible Holy Spirit, we see him in the Gospels. Um, At first, he said to Jesus, Jesus said, you know, I'm going to die. He says, no one's going to do that to you. He says, doesn't matter what, I'm standing by you. And Jesus said, you are going to deny me. He says, never, 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 never. The moment came. He was in front of people that he knew. And they said, but don't you know Jesus? He said, no. Don't you know Jesus? No. Don't you know Jesus? He said, no. And the cock crew. And he denied Jesus. Remember that story? That was the picture there of, of, of Peter that we saw there. And then it changes that, that after the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1 and 2, we see that Jesus said to them in Acts chapter 1, wait there and let the Holy Spirit, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And they waited and of course the Holy Spirit was poured out upon their lives and who was the one who stood up? At the day of Pentecost, when people were filled with the Holy Spirit, where they spoke with other tongues, they were prophesying. It looked like that they were men and women who were drunk, the Bible says. And he says, hey, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. That's why I didn't want all of you to have wine so early when we took communion today. But he says, it's still nine o'clock in the morning. And he said, you know, um, these men are not drunk with wine, but it's because God filled them with the Holy Spirit. And it is the same Peter in Acts chapter 2 in front of everyone. And he stands up and he says, hey. And the Bible says that he stood up with the 11, but he was the spokesperson. What was the difference? Before that, he was not filled with the incredible grace of God in the form of the Holy Spirit. Now we know that Jesus breathed on them um, before his death but it became very real for them personally in the book of Acts and we see a different Peter in the gospels that we see in the book of Acts and he was filled with power, he was filled with a, a boldness and we see that the Bible says that, that he could show Jesus to others through the wonderful grace of God My friends, it's not about us. It's not about self-effort. It's not about our good works. We just don't have a great enough personality to draw people to Jesus, do we? But when we are filled with him, because the Holy Spirit says, the Bible says that he never speaks of himself, but he shows people Jesus. He speaks of Jesus. So my friends, if we want to live our lives to the praise and to the glory of God our Father, 
it requires for us just to say, Lord, would you fill me with your grace? And I think as an introduction, um, this is where I need to stop because we want to look in the next few weeks um, of what, it, what does it actually mean to live for his praise and glory in the first 10 verses? Or what does it look like to live for his praise and his glory? And in verses 1 to 10, um, Paul wonderfully sets this truth out to us. But I'm going to ask you to stand now because I would love just to take a few moments to pray for us and the worship team please to come. We really want to go deep with God this year. We want to expect great things from him. And we want to remain faithful to our mission. And this is way too big of a task for us to do it by ourselves. When God comes, he softens our heart, he makes us vulnerable, and in these moments of vulnerability, it is when Christ's presence flows through us, it's actually when we are weak, we become strong. And um, I would really like to just bring us before God this morning. Living for the praise of his glory. I ask you, would you allow God this week just to continue to speak to your heart in these terms? And let's trust him just to show us things as we read the book of Philippians. But you, would you open up your heart this morning and just say, Lord, would you come and would you fill me with your grace so that I may be able to live this week for your praise and for your glory. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we get ready also to respond in song to you this morning, we want to thank you for the Philippian writer that in this letter to the church at Philippi, he opens up his heart to the church here. And Father, as we open up our hearts to each other here at Lift and Online, Lord, we pray that there would be that conviction that will form within our hearts that at home, in our leisure time, at our schools, and also in our businesses, Lord, that our purpose is to live for his praise and for his glory. Lord, I pray that as a church, as we commit ourselves to this purpose, that we know that which is not good enough, but we know that with your Holy Spirit overflowing within our hearts with the grace of God, 
that we are able to love those who we think may not deserve our love, but we would love them with the love of Jesus. Father, that those who use us and those who abuse us, Lord, that you would give us even a love for them. And that we would live in such a way that it's for your praise and for your glory. And Father, when we hurt one another, when spouses hurt each other, when children hurt parents and parents hurt children, and when we as friends hurt each other, Lord, we pray that even this week that you would fill us with your love to degrees where we would encounter Jesus in moments like these so that we can love each other as you loved us. And Father, to this end this morning, we want to commit ourselves in Jesus' name.